Hi everyone, I'm Nick Kirkenmeister from Heartland Wines on the Parade and we're coming to you today from Beyond Bouldering on Grenfell Street. I'm lucky enough to have with me today three fantastic members of the Nord Paynham St Peter's community. On my right, we have Gabby from the famous and ever-present European Cafe. Uh, on my left, I'm lucky enough to have Dr. Derek. And if the branding wasn't obvious enough, I'm going to tell you he's from the Parade Nord Veterinary Clinic. Did I get that right? Perfect, perfect. <laughs> and, of course, we've got Darren. And Darren is from Exurbia. And I'm going to start with you, Darren, just to put you on the spot. Thank you. Uh, Exurbia, uh, to those who don't know, it's probably better known as the old scout shop that we all yep. remember from Rundle Street. Yep. I'm really grateful that you're now my neighbour because you've helped kit me out for a couple of expeditions already. It's a bit of a one-stop shop from sleeping bags to backpacks to even the uh, dehydrated food I took. It so is. is that what you're trying to do, just one place for anyone who's going out on a, a hike or a camping trip? Absolutely. If you are thinking about embarking on a multi-day adventure or a single-day um, walk, then we should be able to cover your needs within the store for um, a variety of products and um, situations that you might be in. The move out to the parade uh, from town and the rebrand, what was the thinking behind that? Well, I think over COVID, um, especially with the downturn in foot traffic in the CBD, um, led to a, the opinion that maybe it was time to refresh and reboot the business. So the decision was made to rebrand and relocate so as part of that, we used a lot of um, market research from our existing customers to find out where a lot of our customers were coming from. Um, and as it seemed that they were coming from the eastern suburbs, the decision was made to move into the eastern suburbs, um, which, which um, so far has, has worked well for us. There are a lot of brand names associated with uh, retail in this space now, but yes. um, my experience from Exurbia was firstly great value for money. Uh, brand names that you might be familiar with, but also some that you might not immediately know, but no. just quality all the That's way right. through. Is that all those years of experience playing in or, or how does that come about? Um, that, that is, years of experience. So we deal with a lot of Australian um, brands and uh, we try and incorporate a lot of Australian-made content into our store. So we, we, we deal with brands which um, have been around the marketplace for a long time, but they may not really be mainstream in Australia. But being Australian-made and the quality of those products being very high, then we feel that that fits in with our, um, with our business model and the customers that we are servicing appreciate that in particular, being Australian-made items or uh, high-quality brands with, um, with a, a strong focus on longevity of the product. So we don't want to be replacing products as quickly as we can. We would like you to be able to use your products for as long as you possibly can without the need to replace that product over, over many years in some cases. Now, Darren, you're on the parade, but Derek, you've been part of the community now for 25 years. And for those very few people who don't know, where can they find you and your team? We're... On the western end of the parade, down near Fullerton Road, 
I guess next door to Toop and Toop is a big standout. Anthony will be very happy I've mentioned his name <laughs> here. So <clears throat> I'll be expecting royalties from Anthony for, for that. But um, yes, we've been there for 25 years now. Now, doesn't seem that long. It, yeah, time flies, <laughs> time right? Time does fly. Uh, I've always been a dog owner. All of my friends are pet owners. But certainly in recent years, and uh, Darren was just alluding to the, the, you know COVID and all the changes, you must have seen a massive influx of pet ownership. And I imagine the business is just flat out right now. Yes, we have been very lucky, I guess, uh, as a business. Uh, when you compare it with other businesses and hospitality and stuff like that, where the pet ownership in COVID times went up approximately 25%. Everyone got lonely and decided to get a dog or a cat to keep them company. So as far as vets went, that was great. But we did have problems with staffing, as a lot of people had. There's a, a lot of people leaving the veterinary business and... So that was a bit of an issue. We've probably been lucky in Norwood. We've managed to get and, and retain good staff, uh, which has been lucky because we have been busy. I think when you have a, a practice that's as established as yours is and as well-known as yours is, uh, you're going to attract the right people, but it has been incredibly challenging. Uh, are you finding that you're getting, is it mainly dogs and cats coming in the door or is there a, a major influx of lizards in the neighbourhood that I need to be aware of? No, I have to. I'm quite good at, at attracting what I think I know. So, so we get dogs and cats, and I have other vets who are quite good with rabbits and birds. I'm not terribly good. I, guess, I shouldn't admit that, but I, I always do. So I know my limitations. So yes, we, we don't have any reptiles. There are a couple of reptile specialists, and I'm happy to hand all the lizards and snakes to them. So yes, it's we're 99.9% .9 dogs and cats. So please come and visit Derek unless you have a snake, in which case, please, <laughs> please go elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, Gabby, I have to ask you, uh, the European Cafe has been a cornerstone of the parade since, well, as long as I can remember, and that's quite a ways back. Whether you were going to the theatre, it was an opportunity to grab something before, or a late night feast, the Europeans always been there. Family business, yes. how do you keep it going for so long? people go, oh, my God, your family, it's great. Well, yes, but <laughs> <laughs> obviously family can get on each other's nerves too sometimes. But when it comes to the crunch, we all go to work. We all pull together because at the end of the day, it's customer. So we all, yeah, if we got a function on, someone calls in sick, we give it up, we go to work. It's just the way it is. When I think of the European cafe, I think of the quality of the pizzas. It's always just, you know, you're going to get something yummy. But what are the sort of signature dishes that most people are attracted to? Well, so handmade gnocchi, three, four times a week, making gnocchi, um, veal saltimbocca, and I think we're probably the first people that did polenta. So soft, fried, baked, we were doing polenta when no one knew what it was. You didn't so. bring a sample for us. <laughs> Kitchen's not open yet. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, uh, you're right there. I mean, I, I'm just trying to think in terms of looking at location. I'm thinking the Odeon. Directly across the road from the Bath Hotel. The Bath yeah, Hotel pretty, is pretty another good great landmark, yeah. cornerstone. Yeah. It, like so many uh, Adelaide people, we navigate by pubs. Yes. So that's really helpful. Yes, yes. Um, your hours are something that I've always been amazed at. You, you seem to be open at crazy times. What time do you normally close? So we 
we started doing some days and it wasn't working for us. So we ended up, we closed Sunday, Monday now. We have two full days off and we do Tuesday to Saturday from five o'clock. So we're sort of like semi-retirement um, <laughs> hours. If it's busy, we're still cooking after 10. If it's quiet, we lock the door. I think that's we, You sensible. know, like, yeah, we sort of play it by ear. Now, yeah. the business has been there for, I want to say, 64 years. Feels like it. <laughs> but your family's been there for what? It's over 40, 40. 43 years. It's 1979 we started. My husband and I, Johnny, my eldest, was only three months old. Um, so, yeah, we'd be three boys all working at the restaurant. Um, got other jobs as well, but come to work four or five nights a week. Tell me a little bit about how you've seen the parade change over those years. Uh, I was talking to some friends before about still expecting to see Varis when I walk up That's the street. Right, yes. The Europeans, one of those those last few places that I remember from my childhood, but uh, I find the parade so, um, has so much tradition, but it's also so dynamic. How do you fit into that mix? How do you how do you deal with all that change? Well, for us, we sort of still got to keep true to what we do and um, still stick to our menu and the favourites. We can, we can do an upmarketing menu, but people still want. They don't even read the menu sometimes. They just walk in and they order what they like, um, what they've always been used to, and luckily we still have, you know, what their dishes. But, yeah, the businesses have changed a lot. And, like, if we were the only restaurant on the parade... 43 years ago, wow, look at now. <laughs> so yeah. at one stage for about eight or nine years, I think we were the only pizza bar on the parade. And still the best. <laughs> now, Derek alluded to this before, that COVID was particularly hard on hospitality, hospitality and Absolutely. particularly hard on yes. your family. Of course. How did you bounce back from all those weeks of being closed, of your family going through COVID? How, how did you come back to where you are now? Well, slowly, slowly, like... We, when it first hit in 2020, we had to like downgrade everything. So we were only like four or five staff, immediate family. And then as it got busier, we slowly brought people back on and put them back in, in you know, employment because we just didn't know what to do. No one knew how long it was going to go for. So we just kept it as, you know, as small as we could trying to make it profitable. So even with JobKeeper, it was still difficult. Like takings were down 75%. So there's only so much takeaway you can do. I think uh, every business has been impacted differently. Our little uh, cellar door has seen its ups and downs. And uh, whereas some markets that just loved our wines in yeah. Germany wanted to buy more, yeah. locally people weren't buying yeah, for anything. Some, for, some you don't places, know. for some businesses, it was booming. You know, it was great. But obviously, for people that have customers walking in the door, it was difficult. It was I think difficult. so. Mm. Derek, you were talking a bit, a bit about that boom and how this influx of all these new pets and, and animals has affected your business. But another aspect of what you do is you're actually a great communicator when it comes to the veterinary skills and animals and their welfare. You've done a lot of radio work. You've been on television. Are there questions that you get asked time and time again that, that are recurringly and you, in, that you still think are important? It's I think all questions are, are important. Good answer. I, I think. <laughs> I think. I, I think I'm very lucky. I think everyone who goes to a vet who is prepared to spend money on their pet has some niceness in them. Uh, there are some people who aren't prepared to spend money, and I won't talk about them. But the ones who go to vets are, are generally are nice people. So, and, and there's a lot. There's a lot that people don't know. We get we get questions that um, 
the the owners might think are, are really stupid, but but they're not stupid. And if it's something that creates some comfort with them and and knowledge, and know that they're doing the right thing, they're feeding the right foods. Uh, we get a lot of questions about about food and and what to feed and what not to feed. And everyone knows about chocolate, not to feed chocolate, but they probably don't know about onions, not to feed onions, not to feed. Um, Cooked meat is grapes. Another one. I hear grapes you know. is another one. Yeah, yes, grapes and and very few grapes, um, and they still don't actually know what the toxin is. But grapes are toxic to dogs' kidneys, and very few grapes can actually destroy dogs' kidneys. And obviously, you need your kidneys to live. So yes, a lot of people don't know about grapes as well, and they are very toxic. I do make wine, but I don't give it to my dog. I can assure you of that. Uh, so Derek, when you're uh, interacting with people and answering questions. Something that uh, I know I've done, which I'm much prouder of than buying a dog, is buying pet insurance. Yes. Um, because as you rightly pointed out, um, it's a financial commitment. The money that you spend on the animal initially is only a minuscule part of what you end up spending as that animal becomes a member of the family. Yes. I don't think people understand when they purchase a pet that they're purchasing another member of the team and and that love as it grows it, it becomes impossible to not do everything you can for the animal yes it's a huge commitment it's, it's the same as having a child so you know there is your you're correct there's the initial expense and then there's the ongoing food and if you're lucky there's not too many vet bills and the insurance is good it's peace of mind it's I certainly strongly recommend it for young dogs and cats because they are the ones who tend to eat things they shouldn't and, and run around and jump off walls and things like that. So they tend to have the more of a potential to get expensive um, things required at the vet. So certainly insurance, I think, is really good in earlier years. And if you can afford it, I think it's good throughout the life. And you have to check the small print because some... Insurance companies will only insure dogs or cats up to the age of 10 or 12. And they're a bit like us. You get older and slowly the wheels tend to fall off with age. And so if you're not covered by insurance when they're older, you have to watch out for that. Because again, early in life and late in life is when you really need it. I think I'm going to keep asking for advice and I'm going to move on to you now, Darren. I think something that I've noted from the hiking I've done over the years is the importance of boots. What you've got on your feet can be tantamount. Can you tell some of the guys here what is so important about getting the right pair of boots and how you should go about doing it if you've got a big old trek in your future? Yeah, well, an ill-fitting boot obviously will cause issues such as blisters. Um, you, 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 the best fitting boot for you will be the one that you put on and you feel the most comfortable in straight away. And the term, it fits like a glove, almost should ring true for a pair of boots as well um you you do not want to buy boots which are too narrow so the the main fitting issues you'll find with is the width of the boot anything that's too narrow or too wide your foot could potentially either be bruised or move around too much which may cause blisters if it's too long then your feet may butt up against the front of the boot or if it's too short your toes might be cramped up to the front of the boot which would cause black toes and you'd lose toenails um, nice. Uh, yeah, Th yeah, thanks lovely. for that, Darren. No, that's, that's great. great. Yeah, no, yeah. That's why we're here. We're professionals, uh, and we can talk about this quite openly. Um, and also, um, complementing the boot is a is a comfortable pair of socks. So, 
a pair of cotton socks is probably not what you would want to wear if you're going on a bushwalk. They, um, they absorb a lot of moisture, they stay wet, uh, and cotton is cold. Mm. Um, if, it, if it does get wet, it doesn't stay warm. Or something like merino wool or some merino wool blends um, will stay warm when they're wet and keeping your feet warm rather than cold. Um, Another question, a shiny pair of boots mm, looks spectacular. Lovely. Yep. But if I'm about to go on a long trip, yeah. do I want to have bought my boots last week or what's well, the ideal? So, some boots that you can buy these days will be out-of-the-box comfort, so they will feel quite comfortable. Uh, they tend to be quite soft um, and easy to walk in, but anything like a serious hiking boot will be reasonably rigid and you'll want to give those boots a good week or two breaking in to make sure that you are comfortable enough in those to walk long distances every day without them causing issues. The best way to do it is you buy a pair of boots, you don't go bushwalking straight away, wear them around your house for a few days, around the yard, inside while you're doing house chores, um, just to make sure that your feet are comfortable in those boots before you start wearing them on a trek. Um, and also um, blister care is very important. So making sure you've got appropriate equipment with you or first aid equipment to treat a blister if you do feel like you are going to start getting a blister. Now, the indicator of that would be a hot spot on your foot. So if you go walking and after an hour or two, you start feeling one particular part of your foot getting quite hot, that could then translate into a blister, in which case before it gets to the point where it is a blister, you want to stop, take your shoes and socks off, treat the area that's prone to perhaps that hot spot shoes and socks back on and keep going and see what happens. So prevention is definitely better than waiting for a blister to happen and then try and treat it. Nothing worse than treating a sore that's already developed and trying to put some blister care on that because that's basically putting adhesive over a sore which you don't want to do. And I guess this is really important information because if you are out on a multi-day trek, you begin to realise yeah. very quickly how long you've got to yeah, go yeah, that's when right. you start finding yeah. yourself with an injury if, if, or, if, or something that slows you down. Yeah. If you've been on a, your first day of a five-day walk and you've got three blisters already, you're not going to have a good time. Now, with all of that hard work and, and trekking, I would normally be asking Gabby for your advice Th on this. This just sounded like Friday, Saturday night on the floor for me. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Woolen socks, Gabby, woolen yeah. socks. But uh, it's, it's sort of an impossible question because I need you to explain to me, now that you and your family have been doing this for decades, why can I not make gnocchi? It's the hardest thing in the world. You know there are some of those dishes where – you just didn't want to, you wouldn't want to do it at home. It's messy. and It is, right? We just let Cindy do it. <laughs> I mean, a steak and some of those things yeah. you think, oh, I can do that at home. That's but right. There you can are do some a barbecue, dishes. but certain things you just can't do. Correct. So is it just yeah. years of training and technique to get it right? Because well, it's I mean, there's so some things that I do at the restaurant with my eyes closed, but I don't do them at home because it's just too messy. So I will cook my stuff at, at the restaurant, bring it home, and we do Sunday dinner, Sunday lunch because I've got to – professional kitchen there it's you know so it's your way advice easier. to everyone at home is well, if you've got get people a commercial coming kitchen. Sunday, <laughs> get a commercial kitchen yeah or also the stoves like the heat that you get from the stoves at the restaurant is just not you know you're not going to get that at home unless you've got your barbecue outside and that's just, vital for pizza oh, for obviously for, but for other pizza, dishes as well even for veal dishes you need that heat the pans the pan that you're using it's all you know it all comes together with when I was a young man growing up in, in this neighbourhood, for me, Nord was very much an Italian community. Yes. 
the Greek, Greek Italian, Greek yeah. and Italian. Oh, yes. yes, exactly. Now, with the, the sort of the transformation, there are so many different people from so many different cultures. I'm not looking at Derek right now, but <laughs> as you've seen that change, the the love of Italian food is still it's there. Absolutely, um, and and you'll know already that whoever walks in, they're going to order this, they're going to order that, because and they love sharing. So they're always going to have their spaghetti marinara. They're going to have their veal dishes. You just know. Now, Derek, do you have a favourite Italian <laughs> dish that we need to know about? This is uh, a really important <laughs> Italian, Italian question. Dish. I do like the I like the veal scallopini, and yes. I like and I like the sausages. Pork sausage, yes. Pork sausages yeah, as well. We do a pasta with that. They are, yes. they are they fabulous. Like that. Yes. The European. Yep. Fabulous. We don't do Scottish cuisine a lot of favours <laughs> in this country. We just think of haggis and blood sausage and things like that. Canabine brew, perhaps. Um, what are we I, missing? I think, I think you're missing uh, the deep fried Mars bar. Oh wow! Uh, I think Scotland <laughs> likes to claim, as well as inventing golf, they like to feel that we invented health really? dishes okay. like the deep fried Mars. You batter bar. that as well. Uh, yes, you, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, you wow. put everything, everything into great. the classic, everything into the fat. It's just, mm. it's a very healthy country. Mm. Sounds good. <laughs> so. Your services are needed yeah, there, I think, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have yeah. to walk it off. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yeah. So all three of you are invested in in Nord Paynham and St Peter's. Looking into the future, get the crystal balls out. What are you seeing in the future that's exciting? What are the challenges? What are we looking for here? Uh, what are we going to be seeing in each of your businesses going forward? Darren. Well, we want to grow. We want to expand our range. We want to expand our offerings to the community. So not only are we in the lightweight bushwalking market, we're also starting to get back into the travel market, which has dropped off, especially over COVID. So reinvesting in travel equipment as well as bushwalking and hiking equipment. We'd also like to touch on a, a, a slightly more glamping style of, of, of camping. So we traditionally do lightweight bushwalking, but if we could then uh, look at investing in some um, other products which would allow families to go camping not not roughing it, but sort of glamping it a little bit might be a, a, a nice way to, to, to expand our business as well. But definitely travel market growing again and, and touching on the glamping industry and see how that might go. So even if I'm not going on a five-day trek, but mm. maybe I just want to take the family out and see the Flinders Ranges, yep. Yep. Exerbia is still going to be a great place for me to stop in to grab the kit Have I need look. to take me forward. Yeah, we won't be doing the big four-wheel driving um, products, I don't think, but 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 just just some of those products that make life more comfortable for you when you are camping with your family in your four wheel drive. Um, yeah, we'd love now, to do that, Derek. I'm going to ask you because I don't think it's a given. Are you still taking on fresh patients, new patients at the moment? Because you must be so busy as things stand. Yes, yes, yeah, we are we are busy, but um, I have. Um, eight vets there at the moment so um <coughs> excuse me yes uh, we're still taking on patients we're, we're open um every day of the year apart from three days that, that we're open so we're available 24 7 and, so sorry that's and christmas easter and hogmanay or whatever <laughs> We're actually open Hogmanay, which is, is a bit embarrassing, but I've become an Australian now. So uh, we're open. We like to provide a service. There's, there's now, it's like a lot of things, corporates are taking over a lot of vet clinics as well. Mm. There's 20 vet clinics in Adelaide that are owned by corporates. So we still like to feel we offer a personal service and 
You know, and like when the owners are involved in the business, yeah. you get, I think, a little bit extra. You get extra personal service. You get extra personal touch. They put a lot of thought into it. Whereas some of these larger organizations, the bosses might be in America. And so, you know, the bottom line sometimes is all they look at. And I think, obviously, with the European cafe, exactly you can't get same. quintessentially yeah. a local business. Uh, and we can still be looking forward to seeing you on a uh, your family on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Saturday yep. night, yep. ready to give us some great polenta, right. some great Correct. gnocchi. <laughs> so I think there's so much to celebrate here in the Nord Paynham and St Peter's Council. These little businesses that you may have known about for years, you may think you know, but maybe it's time to go back and see what's on offer. New businesses here in the neighbourhood like Exurbia have a great tradition here in South Australia and so much to offer. And of course, Derek and the wonderful veterinary services that you're able to offer here in the local community. So think about what's available to you right here, right now. You're very lucky to be here and so are we. So thanks for joining us today. Cheers. Thanks, Thank everyone. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank Thanks. you. All right. How many minutes did we go on that one?